Thank you, Corey. And it's great to be here with you guys. This is awesome. I think you got a mic right there. Yeah, very good. We're going to set all of our stuff down here, and then we'll, we'll get going. We don't pack light. We recently went to Scotland, and we ministered, and they, um, they brought an extra car for us just for our luggage. And we said, how did you know that? And they said, you're Americans. Americans always bring too much stuff. So that's just kind of how we roll here. Um, somebody can show us how to work this. We're from Missouri. We don't know how to do Is it on? It's on? Okay, it's on. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So very good. Well, pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, we've heard great things about uh, this church. And really, the church isn't the building, but it really is the people. We really believe that. And uh, you guys are awesome. It's really, really great to be here and just worship with you. You know, you kind of get a feel for what's going on when you worship with people. And you know, this is a great, this is a great place. Yeah. This is really yeah. a great place. Like, I really, really like this church. It's really awesome. And so uh, thanks for uh, Pastor Isaac and Melinda. Thank you so much yeah. uh, for letting us be here. It's just really an honor. And, and uh, we don't take it a light thing to stand in somebody else's pulpit. And so we just really, really feel privileged to be here. And so uh, you guys are amazing. You have amazing pastors. And uh, I tell you what, getting to know Isaac a little bit, um, and I know that's going to continue, he really, really has uh, just an incredible heart for the Lord. And uh, so it, we just honor you. We honor your whole family. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Isaac, would you, could you come up here and you can bring him with you? I just really feel the Lord on something I want to do before we get going. Otherwise, we'll never do this. Did you want to say hi, by the way? I just kind of took over. No, good morning. <laughs> we're, we're so blessed to be here. And it has been amazing to just worship with you. And, you know, I would say, like, you, you just have such a heart. And that is yeah. something that... Um, you, you know, you all can glean from and grab fruit. He's producing fruit yeah. that you want to partake Come of. On. Because it's just, you know, whenever you have a, a deep relationship with the Lord, whenever you love God, it, it just oozes out of you because you can't contain it. It's yeah. like in you and it just comes out and that's what's happening just as you are worshiping as you're sharing like you can tell that you have been in the presence of the lord because it's just coming out and yeah I, I love that it was like the disciples and and acts it says they they could tell that they had been with jesus and that's true of you guys and so i just had the lord begin to speak to me when we were worshiping and uh the lord just he spoke to me and he said it's gonna things are gonna get easy they're going to get easier. Ministry will never be easy. We know better than that, but it will get easier. And I just saw the wind of God in your sails and in Melinda's sails. And he's going to begin to breathe fresh things in you. He's going to give you fresh vision, fresh insight. And you're going to lead with, um, a good friend of mine says, horsepower. You're going to lead with horsepower like you've never had before. And you're going to go away on vacations and camping trips and things like that. I suppose some, it's okay to tell you're going on a vacation, camping trip. Now they know anyway. But I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, you're going to leave. Would you just stretch your hands towards them? Father, we just agree in Jesus' name. They're going to go away refreshed, and they're going, to, um, uh, they're going to be strengthened. And Lord, I thank you that they won't spend all their time talking about church and talking about ministry and talking about how to organize things and talk about things that they need to take care of. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that their whole family is strengthened by the hand of the Lord. And Father, I just thank you that there's a supernatural gracious uprising of the people around them to hold their arms up. And Father, I thank you that there's a mantle on this man and this woman of God. And Lord, I thank you that they carry it with grace. And I thank you that they carry it with strength. And we thank you, God, that the joy of the Lord is their strength. And they're going to move out and they're going to move forward with joy. And the things that were in the past will not grab a hold of them. 
And I'm talking about just the challenges of ministry. But God, they're going to move forward in strength that they've never had before in the name of Jesus. We speak refreshing over this camping trip in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. We love you guys. We just bless your family. Yes. Awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. And I, just see, I just see breakthrough coming, that you're going to be walking into a season of breakthrough. Yeah. That, that's part of the ease. Yeah. I believe in the wind in your sails is that it's just a breakthrough season. So whenever it doesn't feel like breakthrough, then you declare breakthrough. We are breaking through because we know the way maker and he's made a way and it is time for breakthrough. So just declare that. Yeah, hallelujah. And you guys partner with them in that as, you know, just the congregation, you have a part to play. And just um, declaring the word of the Lord over them. So declare with them, partner with them in prayer about breakthrough. Just begin to just go before the Lord and seek his face and say, thank you, God, that this is a season for breakthrough. Because you have to know what happens with the head happens with the rest of the body. And as he and Melinda are breaking through, then you also are breaking through. So this is not just a word for them. This is a word for everybody. That is how it works. As he breaks through, you break through. That's right. So grab a hold of that. Take that, eat that, ingest it, digest it, and declare it that this is a time for breakthrough, that this is a season for breakthrough, and you're going to see breakthrough like you have never seen before. Yeah, it's amen. Be awesome. Amen. Praise God. I agree with that word. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wore my overcomer shirt today. It's just as a prophetic statement that we're overcomers, and you are too. Amen. And uh, so uh, let's just speak a little well, bit I, about our ministry. I, sure. Real no? quick, too, before we get going, because we we're just, um, I know all the teenagers just went away yeah. on the trip, and so. So I was so excited to hear We that. heard you guys got rocked yeah, by the power I of God. Yeah, I heard that you guys got rocked. And I just, as we were worshiping, I heard the word of the Lord say, he said, take that encounter yeah. that you received and don't just make it a one time encounter. God wants to encounter you every day. You are the, you're, you're the, um, you're the heart and you are the breakthrough for the generation, for your generation. And so I believe that as you just reflect back on what you received from the Lord in this last season um, and this time that God wants to encounter you, not just then, but he wants to make them present encounters each and every day. So really fight for time with the Lord. It doesn't have to look like hours on your face, but it could look just like a moment, uh, just like a moment where you just get face to face with the Lord and you say, God, what are you saying right now? God, how do you want to meet with me right now? And as you honor him and that, he will begin to honor you and that. And so don't 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 forget about meeting with the Lord just because you had a time um, where you went away that you can take him right now into this present season and go away with him each and every day. Yeah, hallelujah. He longs for that. And that's not just for the teenagers. That's for all of us. God longs. So just like um, when you see people have been in the presence of God, you see just the goodness of God. You see the faithfulness of God. You see the heart of God oozing out of people. It's because they have been face to face with their maker. And so fight for that time. 
Fight for that time where you can just go get with him. And like I said, it doesn't have to be hours, although that is amazing when we get hours, but it can be just a moment. And actually, one thing that the Lord really spoke to me and encouraged me, because we had, uh, we're coming out of uh, the season with little babies and they're all growing up, but like I didn't have tons of times because I had everybody always needing me. And he said, the Lord said to me that you can invite me into each and every space and each and every moment, and I'll meet with you. So while I was doing dishes, while I was changing diapers, while I was folding clothes, while I was driving, while anything, while we were sitting at the table, like I just said, I want to meet with you. Come. And he comes because that is who he is, and that is his heart for you guys. Hallelujah. Amen. I received that. And while you were picking my socks up off of the floor, all of all of that kind of stuff. All those years. (laughs) True story. Amen. All right. Let's not go there. Uh, So uh, our names are Kent and Liz, just in case anybody missed that. And so like Isaac said, I'm sorry, Corey said that uh, we're from Missouri. And so we have um, one church in two different locations. And the Lord just really just just over the last few years, our ministry just really uh, just really just been blessed. And it's been the hand of the Lord on it. It's been a really um, uh, just an amazing season that God's brought us into. And so we love doing what we're doing. We love sharing the word. We love seeing uh, light bulbs come on. I believe that there's a, there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room. And uh, God's just going to bring enlightenment to you in a really a, a fresh way today. So can we share a little bit, I yes. guess, about that? And so then we we're going to we're gonna get into the word. Yeah, the, the Our word, ministry name is Ward, Ward Ministries. Ministries. And so we're a winning ministry. We are a ward winning ministry. Lots of W's. Uh, no. An award-winning ministry. Oh, award oh it's the last joke I promised for the day. Okay. It's, it's not the last joke. I have. See, I have. I had four laughing. smiles. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. <laughs> Randy. Randy's been listening to me minister. He knows how to help me out. <laughs> so uh, our vision statement for Ward Ministries is that uh, we preach the gospel, we awaken hearts, and we see nations reformed. And yeah. you are a nation. Yeah, that's right. A nation starts with you. So you having your heart awakened unto the gospel will cause generations proceeding from you to be changed. Hallelujah. So one way that we minister the gospel is through books. And so um, Kent has written several books. They're back on the table. They're very life-changing. He has a seven-part series. Uh, we only have two books out so far. One's at the editor and then... The other five five are by faith. Yes. Yes, yes they're by faith. Well, yeah. ones, they're all inside. Yeah, right, right. Out because they're foundational truths. It is so important that we be rooted and grounded on the foundation of, you know, Jesus, the supremacy of the word and God's kind of love. And so these are very uh, easy, bite-sized books uh, that just talk about the foundational truths. I'm telling you, they will change you. They will set you right and they will help you propel forward. And one thing um, that I love too about them is that when you know the truth, then you can share the truth. When you have true foundations, uh, the word of God solidified in your heart, then you are more confidently and boldly able to share the gospel with those around you. And we are called as the body of Christ to go into the lost and dying world. We actually (laughs) designed these. Yeah, amen. We'd actually designed these to make it really, really easy to where you can take these and take somebody through some really basic things. The the world and even a lot of believers, they don't need really uh, heavy, revy stuff. Like a lot of times people think like, oh man, we need to get into end times and teach people about eschatology. Like that's fine to understand that, 
but most people are struggling with just being in love with Jesus. They're struggling with their day-to-day walk. We have a world right now that literally, and even the church that does not know that God's word is a supreme authority, and we've got all kinds of strange things happening, and people embracing uh, doctrines of the world and not doctrines from God. And so that's what this will do. You can actually take take this and take people through um, a study, and it, there's only six chapters. They're bite-sized. They're really easy to read. And so that's uh, God's supremacy of the word, and then also God's kind of love. And what you can do is you can just start by doing this, and uh, then when the other ones come out, you can continue taking people through basically fundamental uh, things that we need to know as believers that will cause us to be in victory. Does anybody want to be in victory here? Amen. Yeah, then you should get a hold of these and they'll really help you. Liz will be out there uh, after the service and she can help you figure all that out. If anybody can't afford these, like we, like they're not mine, they're the Lord's. Uh, We'll help you out with that. That's not a problem. And so... If you can afford them, don't be cheap and help us out, amen? So, uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll help you any way that we can with those. Uh, back there also is a devotional. It's a 31-day uh, devotional about healing. Healing is from the Lord. It is God's heart that we would be whole and walk in, this, you know, the healing of the Lord. And so 31 days, healing scriptures every day. It's just going to... We've uh, seen people healed and set yeah. free just, just from doing this devotional and so... I really, really help you. Amen. Uh, would you stand to your feet for one moment, and then we're gonna we're gonna get into the word here. So, Father, we just thank you for Revelation Rock Church. God, I thank you for these saints that are in here. And, Lord, we just declare a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, I thank you that Liz and I, we are not the true teachers, but the Holy Spirit is the true teacher. So, Holy Spirit, we don't give you some of the room. We give you the entire room. This entire room belongs to you. And, Father, I just declare... I just declare that every heart here is tuned into you. And God, I thank you that you're taking us uh, and you have taken us from darkness to light. But Lord, I thank you that we're being transformed day by day in our understanding and our knowledge of you. And Father, I thank you that this church will hold true to its name, that it has a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation on the rock. And Father, we just invite you in. We invite your Holy Spirit right into this conversation, right into this ministry time. And Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that we don't stay the same. But Lord, we are revived by your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that as as we position ourselves for the poor, that the love of God, the revelation of God is poured out in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said... Amen. 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 You can be seated. So Liz and I want to uh, share something that really, you know, we just, when, I guess when you, you do enough ministry, you, you collect a bunch of things that you can just like, hey, we can just kind of pull from the hat and, and share on this topic or that topic. But we really, really spent some time with the Lord saying, God, what do you want to share with your people today? And so I believe the Lord's got some things really strong that he wants to share with you. And so, uh, let's, as a matter of fact, let's just go over to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And today we're going to talk about eliminating an orphan mentality. And so, every person that comes into the kingdom of God, that comes into relationship with Jesus, automatically goes from being an orphan into being a son. And when we use the term son or father, those kind of things, it includes men or women. It's just like when we say mankind, it includes everybody. So when we're talking about a son, we're talking about a son or a daughter, any of that. So when we come into relationship with the Lord, we actually move from a place of being an orphan into a place of being a son. 
But what we found, and, and we know from our own walk that we spend a lot of years still thinking like an orphan. And because we, think, we thought like an orphan, uh, we believed like an orphan, and we got orphan results. And I, I don't know about you all, but I want to have the results of being a son of God. You know, you, you and I, we're not the son of God, but we are a son of God. And so all of the benefit and blessing and, and all of the, the, the inheritance that Jesus had, you and I as sons of God have all of the same benefit and blessing that Jesus had. We have the same anointing. We have the same, uh, we have the same glory. We have healing. We have all of the benefits. Every promise that's in him is yes. And so our response is simply to say amen and to come into agreement with it. But what we found, and, and I know from our journey with the Lord, is that, you know, we both have our own, you know, our own story or whatever, which actually started when we were 10 together is when we first met, and, and she started stalking me just a couple of years later. But that's another, it's actually a little bit of a true story, but. A little bit. Yeah. Maybe a lot of it. Yeah. So we had our own stuff we had to work through, but, you know, both of us being saved from a young age, we didn't realize all of the the blessedness that God had given us had deposited literally on the inside of us. And so we walked around as orphans when in fact we were not orphans. We just kind of thought like orphans. And I believe that there's a great shift that's happening in the church as a whole. I really, really believe this, that the Lord is raising up fathers who don't think like orphans. Because what happens is that when you have, and we've, we know this in natural families, we can see where you'll have, you know, problems that might be in a family. And when the parents don't get it fixed, the kids do the exact same thing. It could be, it could be sin patterns. It could be just different things that, that families seem to flow in. But when somebody says, you know what, we're going to break that chain and we're going to cut that thing off, then all of a sudden the kids begin to operate and walk in a whole, whole brand new thing. So what's happened in the church for a really, really, really long time is that we have had orphaned fathers and orphaned mothers to where they actually view themselves not as sons and daughters of God. Um, and so what's happened is that they're raising up people with a sense of needing to perform to have identity. And the truth is, is that Jesus has already done all of the performance necessary for us to have really, really good identity as sons and daughters. Can I get a big amen on that? And so I believe that the Lord is doing a great work in the earth, in the church. You see, we see the things that are happening in the world and like we have a really, we have a really messed up world right now. And I believe the, the world is messed up because the church has really lost um, its sense of identity, its sense of truth. It's really lost its way. And I would even argue that in some camps, in some circles, in some places, they never even knew their way. But the Lord is bringing us back to being firmly planted and rooted and grounded in the love of God and as being true sons and daughters and knowing what we have. It's one thing to have something. It's, a, it's another thing to know what you have. And so I believe that this morning that the Lord's just going to awaken hearts and understanding to help us come into a, a better place with him. So let's read this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us 
in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Do you know that it was God's good pleasure to adopt you? He didn't do it out of just out of like pity or obligation. I heard a man one time, I was, I was much younger in the Lord, and, and he said, and I, I was just like trying to get a grasp on this whole having a relationship with Jesus thing. And he said, if it hadn't have been for Jesus, God would have wiped all of us out. And I'm like 18 and I'm listening to this guy that was seemingly really wise. And I thought that for a while. And then I realized the reason that God sent Jesus is because it was his good pleasure to have a relationship with his kids again. Like God really, you know, and here's the thing is that he really, really, really likes you. He really likes you. Sometimes we're like, you know, God loves the world. He loves us. And that feels like a little bit of like, I think we heard the term Christianese earlier. It feels like a little, and sometimes it's just Christianese, but we don't think that God likes us. You ever had somebody like that in your life? They're like, love you, brother. But, but when they hug you, it feels like, you know, they might want to like punch you or jab you in the side or something. I, ever had a relationship like that? It's not really very much fun. I think sometimes people view God like that. When I had this older man that said this to me, I was thinking, okay, well, Jesus paid the price for me, but he only came because God was just had to find some way to save the world. And so he sent Jesus, but he really didn't want to. That's not what this says here. It says, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. What an awesome, what a privilege to be accepted by God and to be brought in, not just into the church, but literally into sonship with him. What an awesome thing. And so this is something I believe that the Lord is reestablishing. And here's why this is so important, is because the church is not supposed to be in the business of raising sons and daughters. It's actually supposed to be in the business, and if I could use the word business, it's supposed to be in the ministry of raising mothers and fathers. Because what mothers and fathers hold is what's going to be passed down to their children. And if they still think like a wayward, broken, messed up, no good for nothing person, they're going to raise people up that think like a no good for nothing messed up person. When really what we're supposed to be doing is taking the ones that are under us in the Lord and bringing them up to think like a real true son of God. The same confidence and boldness and love and expectation and miracles and all of the things that Jesus walked in. Do you know that you're supposed to walk in all of those same things? But what's happened is that the devil's been, he's been lying to us. Anybody ever had the devil lie to you about something and you come out of it and you're like, whoa, whoa, I've been believing wrong here. And I think that's what's been happening with a lot of people for a long time. They believe wrong about who they really, 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 truly are. But the blinders are coming off in Jesus' name. And the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ is rising. And I'm telling you, you sitting in this room, you are a force that hell cannot contend with. You know, I was thinking about the name of this church. Am I okay here? All right. She's like, just go for it. And she'll jump in here in a minute because she's got a lot of stuff to say. But I was thinking about the name of this church. You know, the name of this church is very significant. God gives names to things that are very, very significant. And even how they come about and all that stuff, it can look different. It can, you, you can think, I don't think God was in it. But Lord, the Lord will really work to make something have an identity about it so that people can say, that's who we really are. 
And you know, this, the name of this church, of course, is Revelation Rock Church. I'm assuming that came from Matthew chapter 16. I don't, I don't know, but it's one of my favorite passages. Because, um, you know, Jesus said, who do you think that I am? And Peter spoke up and he said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. What was the rock? The rock was the revelation that Peter had about who Jesus was. But see, the revelation doesn't just stop with who Jesus is. The revelation continues on with who we are in Christ Jesus. Because when we begin to see who God really made us, how he really made us, that he made us in his image, it it changes our everyday perspective about how we relate to God and how we relate to people. And do you know that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren? Well, if you, if, if you have a first, then there has to at least be a second. And I can tell you now there's way more than two. There's probably millions, maybe there's billions of people that have come into relationship with God. And they also have been born in the likeness and in the image of who God is. When you see Jesus you see perfect theology. If you ever want to know what God believes, just look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. But if you want to know really what God thinks about you, look at how he thinks about Jesus. It's quiet in here. You're just soaking it in, I think. Hopefully this is hitting home. I think it is. Amen. You guys, this is a powerful church. You're a really, really powerful group of people. And you're not powerful for any other reason than just because of who you are in Christ. But that reality is just an awesome thing. Hallelujah. So we're gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump in and we're going to talk about um, five, five different things if you're taking notes. Does anybody like taking notes and writing down numbers and stuff? So this is going to be for those of you that are like, like me. You're like, chum, 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 chum. And so we're going to talk about the difference between like an, like an orphan versus a son mentality. Because the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, that word uh, transform there is, is the Greek word metamorpho. And that's where we get our word metamorphosis from. And we all understand what a metamorphosis is. It's, you know, the, the same thing where a, a, a caterpillar will, will spin a cocoon and, you know, become a butterfly. But metamorphosis takes a, a period of time. And so the Bible is actually saying, don't be conformed to the way that the world says or what the world says. And that's not just being worldly in terms of like sinning or something, but that's thinking like a person who's not the way that God really has made them. So when we got saved, everything changed inside of our spirit, but now we're in the process of metamorphosis. And it says, and and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. And that word renew there, it just, it means to renovate. Anybody ever renovated something, maybe a, a house or a car or something? And it takes a little bit of time, but what happens is that we get transformed in the realm of our thinking and the way we believe, we get totally transformed when we renovate our mind according to what the word says about us. And when that happens, that's where transformation takes place. Hallelujah. So we're going to do a little bit of renovating today. Can you guys take some of that? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I, I was just spending some time reading the word of God, which I love reading the word of God. 
uh, it's powerful. It will change your life to open up. But you know how you can be reading the Word of God and you'll read over verses and they won't necessarily like jump out to you. Well, I had to come back to reading in John 14, which I love John 14, but I came to verse 18, and, I, and it says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And that just really popped out to me, and I was like, okay, Lord, what, what are you saying here? And I just really started meditating on the fact that he didn't leave us. He wasn't casting us away or and he was telling you know this to the disciples because there was going to be a time right where he had to go to his father where he was going to actually leave them and probably the disciples felt very orphaned because they were kind of the cast-offs they were the people who um, weren't they didn't think that they were anything and they were just whatever in the world and Jesus had called them and drew him near to himself but he was preparing them he was telling them like I'm going to have to leave, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. And so I just really started meditating, and the Lord began to ask me, he said, can I begin to show you where you feel or you're still operating as an orphan? And I was like, Lord, like, I don't, I don't want, I don't feel orphaned. But then he began to tell me, but still in your thinking, you're, you're operating, you're thinking like an orphan, you're thinking like you don't have a father, that you don't, and like in the natural right now, I don't have a father, my father is went to be with the Lord, so you could feel very orphaned in that sense if you don't have a father, but God was saying to me, I am your father, I am able to meet all of these needs, and will you allow me to show you where you are operating with an orphaned a thought life, with an orphaned, you know, thought patterns and methods of operation so that I can uh, begin to break that off of you and you can go forward and be in your rightful place as a daughter, as not just any daughter, but as my daughter. And so I began to say, yeah, yes, Lord, show me, which sometimes, you know, can be a, like a scary place where we're like, yes, reveal to me, yes, you know, because that's hard sometimes if you've been thinking and going one direction for so long and the Lord's beginning to say, that's not actually the best way. He didn't say it was the wrong way, just said, and sometimes it is the wrong way, but he was saying it's not the full picture. You haven't fully grasped it. You're not fully operating in that place. So I would say this to you today. Will you begin to ask the Lord or let the Lord reveal to you where you have been orphaned in your thinking? And then will you allow him to shift or adjust that to illuminate that to you so that you can begin to go forward as you're as a true son and yeah. daughter. Yeah, hallelujah. So we have, um, we're going to give you five different areas. And so the first one here is an area, it's in the area of trust. And so an orphan doesn't have the capacity to trust for basic needs. Mm. And the reason they don't have the capacity to trust for basic needs is because an orphan doesn't have the, have a father so therefore, they don't have somebody to provide for them. So somebody who thinks like an orphan thinks like somebody that doesn't have the capacity to simply trust for basic needs versus a son. Listen to this. A son doesn't even consider their basic needs. Think about this. Who in here has got kids? Who in here has, some, has kids? And especially in America, now it could be 
you know, very different in other, in other parts of the world. And there, there definitely are people here that have gone through some tough times. But generally speaking, I know for our kids, I can't remember the last time one of our kids said, am I going to have a bed to sleep on tonight? I can't remember the last time one of my kids, in fact, they've never, never said that, but, uh, well, they ask about food a lot. I was going to say they didn't ask what the next meal is, but actually they ask like every 90 minutes, one of them in particular. And so anyways, <laughs> we owe Corey and Kylie like, you know, $300 in grocery bills. Not really. They're, they're very generous. But anyways, we've eaten a lot of food since we've been here. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, basically, you know, like our kids, like they're not, they're not concerned, like, is the electric bill going to be paid? Am I going to have shoes to wear? And we could go down a whole list of things. And the reason they don't think like that is because they have, and we're speaking naturally, they have parents who take care of their needs. And so it's not even within their realm to consider that their needs wouldn't be taken care of because they're not orphaned, and they know they're not orphaned. So when you translate that over into relationship with the Lord, how many times have we found ourselves wondering, how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to deal with this situation? How am I going to get out of this mess? And the whole list of just an almost an innumerable number of problems, and we often find ourselves not really trusting the Lord like we need to. And the reason why is not because God's not trustworthy. It's because we still think like we don't have the best daddy in the whole universe. Anybody relating to what I'm saying here? You've been there before. You're like, man, I'm, I found myself just not trusting in things. You know, it talks about in Matthew chapter 6 that it says, you know, even the birds of the air, they have all of their, their needs met. And so sometimes, and they're not toiling, wondering how they're going to have their needs met because God takes care of them. How much more the sons and daughters of God and the Lord cares about this so much. In Matthew 6, several times he's saying, don't worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. And then he begins to say that I'm, you know, as human beings, we know like if our basic need aren't taken care of, then we can't even think or trust or go even any further from that place because we need to know that we're going to be clothed. We need to know that we're going to be fed. We need to know that we're going to have some place to live. And God specifically in Matthew 6 several times is saying, don't worry about this. Have no anxiety over this. I have this. I am taking care of those basic needs. So he's like, move on. Because yeah. we can't move on from anything if we don't know that our needs are going to be taken care of, those yeah. basic necessities that we have. And so even in my life, like a long, a long time ago, like this is a place where I really struggled and I dealt with a lot of fear and anxiety and worry of like, how is this going to happen? And how am I going to take care of this myself? And how can I make this happen? And how, how, how? And finally, I got to this place of, I'm trying to figure it out when God said, I have this. Anytime that he says he has something and then we try to put our hand on it and make it happen, we're not trusting him and we're orphaned in our thinking. Now, that doesn't mean that God won't show us how to use our hand or how to develop a skill and how to work and how to, but it's him ultimately that we're trusting in 
to do the things that he's asked us to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the truth is, is that if we are thinking like an orphan, it's impossible for us to trust like a son. So when we, we go in and we have situations, you know, situations, God's not the one sending bad stuff, by the way. Like, he's a good dad. He's a good God. He sends good stuff. But if you take really challenging situations, you can use it as a meter to find out really where you're at. Are there any plumbers in this place? Anybody a plumber in here by chance? Yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, you just tell me if I'm wrong about this, but plumbers do pressure checks on pipes, right? And so pressure checks, whenever they hook up all the stuff, I'm not, a, I'm not a plumber, so excuse me if I say it wrong, but they hook up the pipes and then they'll run air through it, I think usually, and do a pressure check. He's saying, yes, I'm looking really smart right now, hallelujah. And so, you know, they'll, they'll do this pressure and, and the reason why they'll do that is to reveal weaknesses anywhere in the joints or anywhere in the pipe or anything like that. And so they'll run like the, I guess, the max pressure that they could run through it or might have or something like that. So, you know, you can look at things in life when, you, when you're approached with something that's beyond you. And the truth is that God wants us to have things that we're being approached with that are beyond us because he wants us to live a supernatural life totally dependent upon him and beyond our natural abilities. God didn't come here to make difficult things easy. He came to make impossible things possible. And so when you find like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not trusting the Lord here, take that and go, you know what, Lord? Thank you for showing me that weakness in the midst of what I'm doing. I'm going to move further away from an orphan mentality and move more into a place of trusting you because, God, you got this thing. Hallelujah. So the first area is trust. The second area uh, of, of an orphan versus a son mentality is significance. So an orphan finds significance in accomplishments and possessions, and as, but a son knows and embraces his worth as a son. So an orphan, let me say this again, finds significance in accomplishments and possessions. I went through a period of time in, in my life and not that far in the past. See, this is a, you know, we get saved and then it's a process of working out our salvation for the rest of our life. You don't work to get it. But once you got it, then you work to understand and begin to, to, to manifest what God's placed in you. And so I went through a time period to where, and I, was, I would tell Liz this, I would say, I feel like I'm not accomplishing things like I want to. And I feel like I need to accomplish more. And I want to accomplish things. I kept saying that. And really what I was saying without realizing it is that I didn't feel very significant unless I accomplished something. And this, is, this can be true for a lot of people. It's especially true of men. Men are wired to build. We're wired to fix. Uh, side note, men, this will really help you. Whenever your wife is just telling you a bunch of stuff, like feelings and emotions and stuff, she's probably not wanting you to fix it. She just wants you to listen. And if you jump in and try to fix it too soon, it might cause problems. I'm, I'm, I've heard this. I read this in a book. I have no experience in this, by the way. <laughs> but... Uh, but this, you could take a look at this with the story of the, the prodigal son. Everybody familiar with that story in Luke chapter 15? And, you know, in that story, you had the two sons. You had the younger son, which was the prodigal. And then you had the older son, um, who seemingly had his stuff together, but he really didn't have his stuff together. And the younger son went out. He took his inheritance, and he went out, and he spent his inheritance and why did he, did he do that? Because he felt that his possessions were going to bring him a sense of significance. Let me tell you a, a true story, and it's funny. Don't, don't be weirded out and don't uh, just listen. I was driving down the road one time in our, our town, 
um, I was driving past the Ford dealership and there was like all these trucks there. And I was like, and I had found myself driving by there thinking, man, yeah. And then I, the Lord began to deal with my heart. Like, why do you want, why do you want a truck so much? Like, I'm fine with trucks. I mean, trucks are fine, you know, whatever. But I wanted it so bad. And the Lord said, you know, you have a lust problem with trucks. Lust isn't just, you know, you know, sexual. It can be towards anything. So I picked up the phone and I called Liz and I said, Liz, I said, I have a confession to make for you. Do you? I have a lust problem. You know, like, what a way to start a conversation with your wife. And then it got funny really quick. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a second here. It's about trucks. But my point was, is I wasn't prodigal like the son to where I was totally just like out of relationship, out of fellowship with my father. But I was wanting to put something in place to make me feel significant. Now, I'm believing one day I will have a, have a truck that I really want. That's cool. But it has no sense of significance in my life. But then I also found myself like the older son at times looking to do things and accomplish because when the prodigal came back home and they threw a big party, the older son said, hey, he said, I've been here this whole time and I have listened to this. He said, I've been working for you, dad, and I didn't get any of this stuff. What was he saying? He was saying, I've been doing all the stuff and I should have a better place than what I've got. And the father said, listen, all this stuff has been available to you this whole entire time. You just, you can read into it a little bit. And he, he was really saying, you haven't been acting like a son. You've been acting like somebody who's trying to accomplish something to make me feel good about you, to make you feel good about yourself so that you'll feel significant. And I can tell you now, that's where a lot of people find themselves feeling like they have to work to have a sense of significance. But a, a son who's confident and knows who, who he really is just embraces his worth as a son. I don't have to have a big fancy truck. I don't have to have any earthly possession. And I don't have to accomplish one thing in this life to be significant as a son. I'm significant because I'm worthy because he made me that way. Yeah, and, Hallelujah. and knowing this will cause you not to strive. It will cause you not to just keep working in and of your own strength trying to be when you already are. Yeah. So that is part of just knowing the sonship is just knowing God says you are worthy, that you are significant, that he has called you, that, and you guys, you need to know this. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows all the hairs on your head. He knows all the longings and cries in your heart. He knows you. One time, you know, it's very easy sometimes to throw a pity party, and you're just, you know, you're serving, and you're doing everything, and especially as a mom, like, I know, like, I have kids, and, like, I, I'm just, I'm always working and serving and helping and and being there for everybody else that, you know, I just sat down one day and I put my head down and I was like, does anybody even care? Does anybody see me? And that that's crazy. I, I, I feel very known and loved and the Lord just began to minister to my heart and he said, I know you. Yeah. I love you. 
I, I am so in love with you. You are known by me. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And I just threw that away because if we're not careful, we get ourselves into this place of despair and depression because we don't think that anybody knows us and it doesn't matter how hard we work or how hard we try that we still don't know that we're known. But God knows us. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we're going to jump to number three here, and we're going to bust through these um, pretty quick, although Isaac told me I had until 2 o'clock, but it's, we're going to get, we're, yeah, amen. Thank you. One preacher to another, amen. Don't tempt him. <laughs> Pastors are the most persecuted people in the whole world. Clocks persecute us. Okay. So uh, the next thing here is relationships. And this is another area where people often often find themselves an orphan. So an orphan consistently has, this is kind of a sign, an orphan consistently has dysfunctional relationships, but a son will view relationship through covenant. And this is something that we've, that we've seen, um, you know, just an experience, and I've experienced in my own life, definitely, you know, orphans um, have a tendency and people that think like an orphan, and we've seen this in the church a lot to where, you know, they'll come in and they've been hurt and they've been, you know, maybe even a, a, in an abusive situation with a, a former pastor or different things that went on. And so when they come up, they have, they have a wall up. And so basically the way that they approach, approach relationships is extremely dysfunctional from the get-go. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're waiting for somebody to bring a fence. I literally have had people come into my church and have said to me, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because I know that this won't last. And so the way that a, a, someone with an orphan mentality goes about relationships is totally backwards from a kingdom mentality. Because the way that the Lord goes about relationships is through covenant. Covenant primarily is always made, biblically, is, is made almost always through the shedding of blood. And when you think about what the Lord did for us through Jesus, he literally shed his blood. He made a covenant binding us to him all the way to the point of his death. And then what's crept into, the, into families, into the church, into all kinds of relationships are people that really have been so wounded, but they stay wounded. You know, it's one thing to, to get offended. It's another thing to stay offended. And to stay in offense means you're agreeing with what the devil says about people and not what God says about people. That's kind of some strong language. I hope that's okay. But it's the truth. And we have to get to this, this place as being sons that we don't operate in dysfunction in our relationships. And so, uh, you know, a son is somebody who operates through covenant. So the way that this works um, is that when you're in covenant with people and you think like a covenant-minded person, it's because you realize the covenant that God has with you. So sometimes I think that, that maybe believers, when, you know, they'll come in and it can be a grace church. Like, man, we just are gracious and we just love God and we just love everybody. And and then as soon as sister so-and-so says something that they don't like, they throw up a wall and they become offended. Why? Because they really don't think like a son of God. Because if they did, they would realize all that they have been forgiven for and all of the mercy and the grace. And they would simply just turn around and extend that to other people. But a non-covenant person thinks like cut and run. 
This is actually something that needs, it's a really a passion of, of mine uh, on my heart, something that needs fixed in the church desperately. And ministers can, can minister on it, pastors can teach on it, but it, it's a responsibility of people that it's just like Liz and I, you know, when we got, we got married, you know, I didn't, I didn't say to her, I said for better or for worse, I didn't say until you tick me off one day and the thing is going to just totally be over. And so we don't do, you know, we don't do that in a marriage because a marriage is a covenant. You realize when you come into relationship with people through the blood of Christ, you have entered into a covenant. This doesn't mean that you stay under abuse. I would never suggest that. This doesn't mean that things don't need to be handled and dealt with when people are being squirrely and doing things wrong and being controlling and whatever. There's a place for handling things. But we should, our first response with people should be that we're going to show them all the grace in the world that they need. Because we are in covenant together. And there's a place for valuing relationship with people more than valuing being right. For those of you that are married, you know this very well. If you try to make yourself right all the time, you probably, we've heard it said, you're not going to be happy. It's the same thing in relationship with people in the church and family and whatever. And a son, a true son of God, that one that thinks like a son, will look at relationships and say, it's just no problem. It's just no problem. Grace be to you. Peace be to you and all of the mercy that you need. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to jump to the next thing here, uh, which is uh, discipline. This is another area uh, where an orphan versus a son, how they view this. An orphan views discipline as rejection and punishment, whereas a son views discipline as love, acceptance, and training. And I've seen this before with people like in, in the church to where it's like, hey, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about this, this thing. Let's, let's deal with this thing. And their immediate response is like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, don't come down on me. And it's like, no, actually, I just wanted to work through this thing. Let's, let's talk about this. And so sometimes like any form of discipline, not just in the church, but just in general with people, uh, an orphan will often um, look at it as the thing of you're rejecting me and it's a punishment mentality. And there has been a se severe punishment mentality in the church. And punishment is basically this. I'm going to pay you back for the wrong that you did. And you know that God is not a punishing God. In the Old Testament, he was forced to deal with people through punishment. That's just how things were. But in the New Testament, he doesn't deal with people through punishment. He does discipline people. There is, as a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that if you are not disciplined, then you're an illegitimate son. But the way that we view discipline is extremely important. And an orphan will push off discipline. A son will embrace it, knowing that ultimately it really is a place of love, acceptance, and training. And we went through this series a few years ago. We'll just make this point really quickly. But we went through this a few years ago where God began to move in our church so supernaturally. It was one of the most unique things that we've, that we've seen or, or known of. And we got to this place, and, you know, I think Corey had said, and we've shared this with him a little bit, but about just saying yes to the Lord. And we have been, um, we've been so persistent at contending for a move of God amongst our people, not saying that we've contended with God. God wants, God wants to have a move more than we want to have a move, right? And so, but just contending to say, Lord, whatever you need to do in us, we're willing for you to do in us the thing that's necessary. And we developed this language to where it was like our immediate response all the time is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And when you know that he's good, it's really easy to say yes to the Lord. But what happened is that we 
Yeah, yeah. We started, I was going to say, we just, we started, you know, craving, uh, you know, the discipline of the Lord, and we wanted the correction because we came into this place where we knew we weren't being punished, yeah. but God was wanting to break us forward. Oftentimes, we're stuck where we are because we're scared that the correction is punishment and that it's judgment upon us when that is never the heart of God. God is a very honoring God. And so what he's doing whenever he's needing to bring like this correction, it's because he wants to bring you forward. That's right. He knows the things that are going to hurt you and keep you back. And oftentimes because they're familiar or because they're comfortable or because nobody knows about it or because we're in this place where we're hiding ourselves. We don't want to come into the light because we're scared that if anybody knows that we're going to be judged and then we're going to be punished and we're going to be put out. But that's never the heart of God. He always covers us. That's right. As we're going through the thing that it is that we want, that we, he knows that we need because he's so gracious and he's so merciful. And so when we, it's scary sometimes to say yes to the Lord because you don't know, um, you should know that it's he's always good and that correction is always to bring you forward it's to cause forward movement but in the process sometimes it feels scary because you you're becoming vulnerable yeah. before the Lord. And we don't like to be vulnerable because we're open then, right, before the Lord. And so we, we just got to this place where we're like, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you're going to bring me through, yeah. that you're going to cover me in this place. Because you have to remember, God only works in the light. That's right. And he delights in us and he wants to work in us. But anything that we're having to cover up, that we're having to continually hide, he can't help us with. He can't break us out of or move us forward because we're preserving ourselves. We're hiding ourselves. And that isn't his heart. So we've come to this place where we're just saying, Yes, Lord. I'm going to be vulnerable before you, and I'm going to trust you that you have my best interest at heart, that you're going to keep me covered, and you're going to move me forward. So then what happened whenever this time period took place is we began to have uh, dreams in the church, like on a, on a mass scale, and we ended up probably with thousands of dreams uh, in the church. And, you know, whenever we first started dreaming, I'm like, this is really cool. This is like, you know, book of Acts, the prophecy of Joel, that you'll have dreams and visions and things like that. But then what we, we saw, what the Lord was doing is that we would have dreams and in the dreams, when we begin to seek him for the interpretation, because dreams are basically never literal, but they're like a parable, they're a picture, that he wants you to go in and begin to understand and pull out what he's saying to you, because God loves the journey of relationship. That's why he does things like that. But when we begin to uncover what God was doing, we realized that he was bringing a mass deliverance to our church. And we had people that were getting set free from every kind of addiction you can think of. Their marriages were being healed. All kinds of wild stuff was happening. And God, it was very unique that he did it through these dreams. But what happened is that we developed a different mentality about discipline. And so instead of feeling like it was punishment, we begin to welcome it and say, Lord, whatever you want to work out of me, go ahead and work out of me. I know my spirit's been changed, but my mind is a little bit messed up. And God, I need you to fix some stuff so that 
what's in me can begin to work out of me because you've got the blessedness, the hope, and all of that stuff, God, you've placed in me, and I want to see it go forward. And he's like, great, let me adjust some things. Let me fix some things. And when we started to view discipline like that, it, it was welcoming because like Liz said, that the Lord always covered us. He always covered us. And we're talking about really, really tough, difficult heart things. And so we feel like we've been to this place with the Lord to where he's, you know, he, he dealt with us personally. It started with us. And then he dealt with people in the church. And we just saw this mass thing happen. And it was the discipline of the Lord. And a son welcomes the discipline of the Lord. And it's not because it's necessarily easy all the time, but because you know that God will cover you because a good dad covers his kids. And that's what he does. He doesn't ever expose. The last thing here we're going to talk about, and then we're going to bring it to a close and pray for a few people, is that, and this is the area just of love, an orphan doesn't know how to receive or give love. This is one of the sure tail signs of someone that's struggling with an orphan, orphan mentality is that they don't know how to receive or give love, but a son is fluent in love. And what I mean by that is that a, a son will know how to receive love from God, receive love from other people, and be able to give love to God and give love to other people. And I'm going to add one more thing to that. A son will really know how to love themselves properly. And I could tell you now that was like a whew, right in the heart of some of you. I could feel it. I'm not looking at any faces. I could just feel it. Whew. A son will know how to love themselves properly. I'm going to tell you the seasons of, of life that I've been in. I've been in four seasons of love in my life. Andrew Womack, let me start before that. My mom taught me how to love God. She taught me how to have a relationship with Jesus. When I was about 20 years old, I started listening to Andrew Womack. And he taught me that God loves me. Then I had a spiritual father for many years. He, he actually just recently passed away. And he taught me how to love people. But now I'm in a season in my life, and I'm just, I'm vulnerable. I'm just like, I try not to be overly transparent, but like, I'm a, I'm a, we're real people. And God, we're still a work in progress. And right now, I'm in a season in my life where God is teaching me how to love myself. Because I'm like a lot of people where I spent a lot of years hating the man in the mirror. I hated the way that my voice sounded. You, you talk about a difficult thing, stand up and talk to people and you'll end up on, you know, nowadays everybody's on video and, you know, whatever and have to hear your voice. And not just like, oh, I wish I had a better voice. Like literally I despised everything about me. And the Lord began to deal with me. And, and I had, um, a while back I had three Sundays in a row when I felt like I was at my worst. This is a pretty good while ago. I felt like I was at my worst and I felt, and I was driving to church. I was all by myself three Sundays in a row. It was a 10-minute drive to church. And the pleasure of the Lord filled my car. I don't, I don't know another, another way to describe it. But I felt God's pleasure. Have you ever been around somebody like that? That when you're around them, that like everything just oozes love all over you. And you're like, yeah, I want to be around that person. That's, this guy knows what I'm talking about here, amen. Sir, you've been touched by the love of God a lot in your life. I know that, amen. Well, you too, I was talking to him, but both of you, hallelujah, amen. I'll try not to prophesy. Anyways, uh, thank you, Jesus. But I went through, I had three weeks in a row where I just felt the, the pleasure of the Lord. 
And at the third, at the third week, I said, God, what are you doing? And he said, Kent, if I love you, who are you not to love you? And it just like, it just straightened me out. And I was like, Lord, I want you to teach me how to love me properly. Because oftentimes we value as junk what God values as the most highest prized possession. You know how you place value on something? It's the one way is the price that was paid for it. He purchased us with his own blood. Blood represents life. So how valuable is the life of God? To him, it's equal to you. So like, let me just say this to you, like, how dare you not love what God loves? If I can say it very affectionately like that to you, how dare you not love what God loves? God is so passionately in love with you. But we sometimes carry an orphan mentality to where we think that we're not worthy of God's love. And you know what? In a sense, we're not worthy of God's love, but that's why Jesus came to make us worthy of God's love. You are worthy of God's love because God chose to love you and he sent Jesus to prove it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God. Thank you, God. Man. Man, I just really sense the, just, just the presence of the Lord on this thing right now. Thank you, Lord. Uh, this, is, this, is what I, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to respect everybody's time, but I want to listen to the Holy Ghost. Isaac, would you want to just come up and just just play a little something on the guitar? It would be would be awesome. Um, we I had a vision. I, I have I have visions for certain things, and I get visions of altar time ministry, and what I saw. And this is what I saw. I saw. I saw a line of people standing, and I'd never even been in this facility, but I, I saw a line of God's saints standing up here and just getting set free from an orphan mentality. And I think the last thing probably is a big part of it to where it's like, I just don't really, really love myself. I don't see myself the way that God sees me. The Bible says that if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, verse 16 says this, let us therefore regard no one according to the flesh. When you look in the mirror, you're not supposed to regard you according to the natural man. You're supposed to regard you according to what God says about you. Hallelujah. This is what I want to do. I just, I just want to in, invite you just to come up and Liz and I are going to lay hands on you. And you know, this is the truth. Some people deal with an orphan mentality. Some people actually, I, I believe this, that there, there's actually an orphan spirit. We could call it that. And basically the way that the enemy works is he will assign, he'll assign, there's a, there's a hierarchy in the kingdom of darkness. And he will assign demonic spirits to come in and work heavy on people to make them believe certain things and build thought patterns in their minds and ultimately bring deception to them. That's how the enemy works. Even the elect will be deceived is what Jesus said. There's going to come a time when even the elect will be deceived. You know how you avoid deception? You just simply know the truth. And if you've been like reeling, like especially with this thing of like feeling like I really don't like myself, I don't love myself, you're going to get set free from that today.
I saw a whole row of people shoulder to shoulder. It seemed like about 10 people. It might have been more than that. Shoulder to shoulder, all getting set free from this orphan spirit, this orphan mentality. If you don't like the word spirit, just call it a mentality. It doesn't doesn't really matter. It's just the point that there's been wrong thinking there that's kept you bound. So I just want to invite you to come forward right now. If that's you, if you're like, man, I've just been dealing with this, just this orphan mentality. When the first one gets bold and comes up, it'll be like a snowball and other ones will come up. And I know that the Lord is really dealing with this with several people in here. And this is your day. Don't walk out of here and, and deal with feeling like not significant and feeling like you don't have value, you don't have worth and you don't love yourself or whatever, all the things we talked about and it could go beyond that. And if this is you, you're just like, I've, I've really been dealing with this. I just want you to come up. I know, I know what I saw. It's just sometimes like nobody else is standing up there. As a matter of fact, why don't you just stand to your feet? This will make the first step easy for those that really feel impressed to come up. Thank you, Jesus. Man, this guy's on it. Hallelujah, brother. You're awesome, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And you guys are awesome. We'll just hang here for just a minute. Thank you, Lord. You're awesome. Praise you, Jesus. Man, the power of God is just all over you, brother. Just receive that, what the Lord's doing in you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You guys are awesome. You're awesome. God sees you as awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Rejection is a lie from the enemy. Every thought, every thought that says you're not accepted, the Bible says that every evil word that's spoken in judgment, you shall condemn. I'm gonna give you a great tool right now. Every time the enemy comes to you and says, what's your name? Say it again. Brady. Every time the enemy would come to you and say, Brady, and you could fill in the blanks of things that would just be negative. And he says negative things to everybody. I'm not just pointing you out. But whatever he would say to you, You take out the sword of the Lord and you cut his head off. You say, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the beloved of God. Brady's the beloved of God. Don't you believe any lie. I had to go through a lot of junk in my life because nobody told me exactly what I'm telling you right now. She knows. She had to help me. She lived with me for a lot of years before I mostly came to my senses. I'm not all the way there yet, so you know how to pray for me. You know how to pray for her. (laughs) But I'm telling you what I'm telling you right now. When those lies come, you identify them and you cut them off in Jesus' name. You're a powerful man of God. You really are. You really are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? I was just want to give everybody an opportunity. Thank you, Lord. Uh, you can't bootleg this prayer. You have to come forward at all. It all. You can't bootleg it from your seat. You got to come forward and receive. Thank you, Jesus. I think we've got our crew up here. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. You're a powerful man of God, too. Hallelujah. Bless you. You're awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you all just lift your hands up to the Lord right now, just, just as an act of surrender? And thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. For You know each one of these by name. <laughs> Lord, you wrote their DNA code. You know everything about them. And Father, I thank you. The Lord, you know the plans and the purposes and the destiny that's on their life. 
And Father, I thank you that this, this is a new day. What's the date today? Is it the 16th? It's July 16th, 2023 is a day that they were delivered from a mindset of being an orphan. And maybe it, it's not a total, a total deliverance. It's just maybe a partial thing to where they've had some areas. Whatever it is, God, you know all of the details. And I thank you that your hand is upon them. Your spirit is upon them. And this day, today is the day that they stepped out of, in their mind, they stepped out of that darkness, out of those lies, out of feeling insignificant, out of feeling not loved. And Father, I thank you that they just kicked the devil to the curve. They don't listen to his lies. They don't listen to his accusations anymore. That every one of these are sons and they are daughters of the Most High God. The God that is love. He doesn't know how to be anything except for that. So, Father, we just thank you that they are free in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Father, we just declare freedom, a clean slate in their mind and in their heart, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Would you all just begin to lift up your voice and praise God and thank him. Thank him for your, especially those of you standing on this front row in this line right now. Just begin to open your mouth and thank God. Thank God for the freedom and the deliverance and the sonship in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We just praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Valuable beyond measure. That's what the Lord says. You need What you need to do is you need to go and you need to, do you have a mirror that you look at every morning probably in the bathroom or something like that? I'm telling you what you need to do by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you this. You need to go and you need to write valuable on your mirror. And you don't erase it. Don't take it off there until you get to the point to where you see yourself when you're not in front of the mirror that way. You look at yourself and say, I am valuable because that's exactly how God sees you. We're too hard on ourselves. We're way too hard. I th we're just way too hard on ourselves. I was going to go into telling you some of the things I used to think about myself, but it would just depress you. <laughs> Don't be hard on yourself. God's not hard on you. Valuable. When I, when I was about ready to walk away, I saw written over you, valuable. Like we know that generically, like, oh, everybody's valuable to the Lord. But I'm telling you, God says that about you, woman of God. He says that about you. Write it on your mirror. Get it into your heart. And when you protect the word of God in your heart, that word will protect you. And God's going to protect you from the lies of the enemy. You just put the word in there. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we just agree in Jesus' name. It's a done deal. Stepping out of orphan, uh, being an orphan to a son in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Man, you're awesome, Brady. You're awesome. And I really, really like you. Amen. And God likes you and he loves you and all that stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, this is an awesome group of people you have here, sir. Amen. You want to go? Okay, we'll go sit down. That's fine. We're going to be done anyway. So thank you all for giving us maybe a few extra minutes. We just wanted to obey the Holy Ghost. We love you guys, sir. Great things in store for you. Love you. Bless you. Ma'am, thank you so much. Hallelujah. Pastor Isaac.